What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is the first time we talk to you on a Wednesday. My name is Tyler Walters. I'm here with my co-host Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. Welcome in to the lead block's first inaugural, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, rivalry week special. Um, this is obviously a different show this week. We're on Wednesday. Thanksgiving tomorrow, as you're listening to this, tomorrow. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Um, rivalry week starts Thursday. Yeah. Uh, this is biggest week of college football. The most entertaining football you will see all year. I think even more so than anything you'll see in the NFL. It just it's you cannot replicate what we see around this country this weekend. Uh, the in-state rivalries are, you know, mostly played this weekend, and there's a few out-of-staters that are that are played, but are still long, you know, rivalries such as Wisconsin-Minnesota, who will be a pretty big part of our segment here today. Uh, but yeah, it, and we thought it would be best to kind of highlight a little bit about each rivalry, right? Because it's not just South Carolina and Clemson playing on Saturday, or just Florida and Florida State, you know, or just Alabama and Auburn. There are a lot of good rivalries around this country, so we took quite a few of them, um, made a nice little list, dug in, and we'll give you just a little bit on each one, and it's been really fun kind of researching this and learning different things about it, and it's going to be fun to talk about it. So Yeah, and speaking of that, like as far as the rivals, it's crazy because you have these passionate college fan bases as already as you pay tuition there, you might as well be passionate about them. And then you get them to go against their rival, their arch rival school, and it just brings more to the equation. Yeah, and um, we'll get to it as we go. But the thing you kind of learn about, especially rivalries in the South, uh, it's similar to how it is here in South Carolina. You have a state school usually. And then somewhere along the line, another school came in that was typically an agriculture college. It was Clemson was that in South Carolina, Mississippi State is that in uh, Mississippi, uh, Texas A&M obviously, um, with their what used to be a fun rivalry game until Texas killed it, uh, and then some other schools like that in the South where where you have the state university. And then another one popped up somewhere along the way, and then it became a rivalry game. And now you've got 100-plus years of just hate and bitterness. And you only get to play each other one day a year and to figure it out. And that's kind of, I mean, the old cliches are, you know, one day a year for 364 of bragging rights. Yeah. uh, And and, which is true in most cases. So we'll – it's going to be fun to get into. We'll start right here in Columbia. Number three, Clemson Tigers coming to town, defending national champions, haven't lost a game in over two years or something like What is it? It's two years now, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or a year and a half minimum. Um, and they'll be coming to Columbia to take on South Carolina, who is, we have discussed had a, just a wild, you know, season – just disappointing. Season, yeah, season full of expectations. Uh, one game exceeded those expectations, and nearly every other let let down. You know, you were let down as a South Carolina fan. Um, game notes quickly. Uh, that's one other thing we'll talk. I wanted to mention at the top of the show. We'll talk about these rivalries a little bit each for what it means this Saturday, 
but mostly, mostly, excuse me, it'll be kind of the history of it. Right. Uh, but for South Carolina Clemson, you know, obviously that's right here in Columbia where we are. Brian Edwards was announced out last week, right? When I was making, when I started making notes for the show, Brian Edwards was announced out with the, but he got his knee scoped or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Then today, as I'm watching Will Muschamp's press conference um, with producer Brendan, uh, he was, Muschamp made a comment of like, hey, I've seen guys, you know, he named, I can't remember the, the football player he named, right off the top of his head, he's like, hey, this guy got his knee scoped on a Sunday, and he was playing the next Saturday, so it's happened. Edwards has had like a week and a half, two weeks since this has happened. We will see if he plays. I highly doubt he's going to be on the football field Saturday in pads in between the white lines. It sounds like to me that it's going to come down to if Brian's like, it is kind of like one of those guys, but I can play. But I would hope at least from like a financial, even just like a future career like aspect, somebody's like, hey, Brian, like even if you play in this game, it's like how much can you really gain from it? But that's what it sounds like to me. It's going to come down to he tells trainers I can play. like Kind of like how Deshaun Watson had the torn ACL. Yep. And it was like, I, I want to play. So if he really, really wants to play, but like I said, I hope somebody in his camp is kind of sitting there like, yo, think about your future here. Like this, is, this would be great to go out you know, in this game and have a great performance. But in the long run, a lot more negative probably could be done than positive. Yeah, uh, what struck me when we were talking about this earlier, producer Brendan and I, and you know, I was saying that this is Brian Edwards came to South Carolina. I and first of all, I agree with everything you just said. I, I do think you know, and I do think there are people in his camp saying, "Hey, Brian, you know, think about this." Um, you know, I'm sure his parents or his mom are worried. You know, hey, you could really risk your injury here, and I'm sure Brian himself is worried about that. He's a smart kid. Um, but I was, I was saying to producer Brendan earlier, like, here's a guy who came to South Carolina because he wanted to come to South Carolina. Um, and, it, and it's going to be hard no matter what to keep Brian Edwards out of this game because I really feel that kid wants to play in this game. And that's why he came to this university because he was here in Muschamp's first year, right? He, yeah. made a, he made a decision to try to come to South Carolina and change things. And it really didn't happen in his time here. But maybe he laid the foundation going forward, or maybe he can really put a stamp on his time here by beating Clemson Saturday. And maybe I, I really think he would want to be a part of that and try to help his team win. But we'll see. I doubt he's going to play still. Uh, but into the rivalry a little. Second longest uninterrupted series in college football, South Carolina Clemson. This is their 111th straight meeting. First one's in 1909. Um but it's called it's called the Palmetto Bowl. Yeah. And they give away this Palmetto trophy. Uh, and obviously, you know, you and I looked at a lot of trophies while we were kind of laying the show out. This trophy has to be one of the worst in college football. It's like a, a gaudy, like Christmas ornament. Yeah, it that sucks. Weird. It's just a metal Palmetto tree, and it doesn't look cool at all. Nah. And I think. I don't know. It just stuck. And they didn't start giving this trophy out until like three years ago. So it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I noticed that whenever I first saw it, I think that was when Clemson had really just started like winning a lot of games, a lot of the rivalry games back to back. Anyway, and I saw it, I was like, Is that, how long has that thing even been around? But yeah, it's relatively new and it's definitely not like a, one of the better ones, I guess you could say. Yeah, because when South Carolina did their, uh, had their five years in a row there where they were winning with Spurrier being Clemson every year, it was this weird, like, kind of old karate tournament style trophy where it's just a football <laughs> sitting on top 
It was very boring. And I don't think they started giving that away until, I don't know, the mid-2000s, maybe right when Spurrier got here. Yeah. Uh, but I don't... This game, you don't need really a trophy. The trophy is you get to tell your neighbor that his team sucks. Um, so I don't... Like, yeah, even if you have a trophy, you can do that, I guess. But would it, like... if For me, if you're going to have a trophy, you can't implement a trophy in 2019. You needed to have that trophy 30, 40 years ago, minimum. Uh, so if you haven't come up with one and it's not a new rivalry, uh, that time has passed you by, so just play the game and leave it out. Yeah, just also, let it be. the name, the Palmetto Bowl, I get it's the Palmetto State, it just sucks. Yeah. It's, it's not, there could be something, we'll get to some of the better names and one very close to this rivalry uh, we have marked down later in the show, I think is maybe the best name in all of it, all the rivalry games, the name itself. This name stinks. I don't. What do you do? You like it at all? The Palmetto Bowl. Yeah, it's like the we hey, we we went out. They had a hard fall game of the Palmetto Bowl. It's kind of like it kind of loses any like a, any sort of like um like for example the next one the Paul Bi- the Paul Bi- Bunyan X. Like yeah, the, that, the battle for the Paul Bunyan. That is like okay, we went one day. It's like okay, cool. That's kind of like I right, just throw it on the back of the bus and let's just keep going. Yeah, I mean it, it sucks, and for a rivalry like Clemson South Carolina's, uh, the name the Palmetto Bowl, just. Yeah, they need to rehash this and come up with something different. Anytime you like call it a bowl when it's a rivalry, I don't like calling everything a bowl. Like, I get the Iron Bowl is one thing, but the Palmetto Bowl has zero like. I don't. There's got to be a better title title in there somewhere, and maybe we need to. I'd love to be on the board who comes up with a new title for this rivalry. Um, it, it would be. I mean, that would be a fun time. For sure, there's some creative. Clemson leads all time. I mean, this rivalry's been bashing. If you're a South, if you grew up a South Carolina fan, you've heard this your entire life. Clemson leads all time, 70-42, four ties. Uh, it's going to take South Carolina, you know, they'd have to win Saturday in the next 37 times in a row <laughs> to tie this thing up. Um, you remember whenever the South Carolina fans were saying, fear the thumb? Yeah, and now seems it's, like a short time ago. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Now I was doing the math the other day. Deshaun won three because remember said he said that he never lose. Then you had uh, Kelly win one, then Trevor's on run, so that's five in a row. Looks like it's going to be six. I'm hoping. Well, it'll be interesting to see if this ends up being like a dynasty type thing, wherever Clemson goes like ten straight or whatever. Yeah, I think Clemson. I don't know what the longest streak in the rivalry is, but Clemson several times over the course of this rivalry won four or five in a row. Um, and South Carolina's done it, you know, once, really, with Spurrier. Uh, but we'll move on from that. South, oh, we'll, by the way, we'll pick. There are no picks of the week this week. Uh, I will probably post my, A, because it's, we're recording this on Tuesday and all the lines aren't final yet. I'll probably make picks and just post them on my Twitter, uh, at Tyler Welter CNR, if you, if you want. Uh, so we'll change that up from the normal, from the normal announcing of picks. But we will pick each game. I'm taking Clemson to win for sure. Yeah, I'll take Clemson. To Saturday. It would be an, uh, quite an amazing historic upset, South Carolina win. And I think if they won this game, even though it's at home and Georgia was on the road, it would be far more impressive to beat Clemson than, than Georgia. Yeah. Clemson's just way better of a team. Noon on ESPN Saturday in Columbia and Williams-Brice. All right, game you kind of hinted at. Number 13, Wisconsin, at number 9, Minnesota. We'll start with kind of what it means this week. Host of College Game Day. First time College Game Day has ever been at Minnesota or in Minneapolis for this game. 
Um, and it is the longest uninterrupted series in major college football. So you have South Carolina and Clemson at there's the second. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota's is first. They played two more years in a row. They started playing in 1907 versus South Carolina and Clemson. Started playing in 1909. So 113th straight year for Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. What a sick name. I love I, Big Ten rivalries have the best trophies and the best names outside of maybe two or three around in the country. It's incredible. Incredibly historic rivalry. Um, the name of it, the Paul Bunyan's X, where that makes it sound like a very historical type of deal. It doesn't seem like something somebody just thought of, like, okay, cool, it sounds like it has some thought to it. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing about this series, though, we talked about, we just said Clemson, you know, dominates South Carolina all the time. 60, 60, and 8. Oh, wow. All time. That's uh, it's the 113th straight meeting, but they played more times than that. There's a few times that they, before 1907, that they didn't play. Yeah. But they still played before that. Um, 60, 60, and 8. So 128 games all tied up. Pretty interesting. I feel like Wisconsin has been a better team more, uh, for longer than Minnesota has. Oh, yeah. Been. Well, in our lifetime, Wisconsin's been, you know, just dominant, especially over Minnesota. But if you look, go back and look in the history books... And between, like, 1900 and 1945 or so, Minnesota's got several national championships. That's crazy. And they were a really – they are not what you think of Minnesota now. Um, it's just a complete opposite team. And then somewhere along the lines, that shift, you know, the, the attention shifted from football to maybe hockey and their, you know, probably yeah. the most storied uh, hockey Program. college school with those them and a couple others. Um didn't even think about that. That makes sense because then you have a lot of guys who probably would have played football, decided to go over and play hockey, and then that. Or just play football somewhere else. So, because Minnesota, you know, in the last twenty-five years, what have they really done to recruit you to play at Minnesota? Why yeah. wouldn't you just leave? But now they've got it rolling, and that's what I want to get into. This, the winner of this game, will go to the Big Ten championship game. Ah. Uh, right, because Minnesota's got one loss in the Big Ten. Wisconsin's got two. Wisconsin were to beat Minnesota, they both have two, and Wisconsin would hold the tiebreaker. And you would see Wisconsin or Minnesota versus Ohio State or Penn State, um, right? No, that's wrong. Versus Ohio State. Uh, so, yeah, you get I, – I, I don't know. I've been going back and forth on this game, and my kind of my gut says – Wisconsin, but like my heart and my head say Minnesota. Yeah, I'm taking Minnesota. Um, I, I like Wisconsin for the sake of argument. Wisconsin has their offense and their offensive line is just gonna be one of the toughest things Minnesota's had to stop all year because they are gonna try to run the ball, Jonathan Taylor, down Minnesota's throat. And Wisconsin football is physical. We've talked about that before. They're the most, I think, one of the most physical brands. Of football on the offensive side in the nation, maybe outside of Georgia, uh, they're going to try to run the ball down Minnesota's throat Saturday, and I don't know if Minnesota's going to be able to stop that. Yeah, but I do think they can score enough points to where it makes it interesting and it's a close game. So I think we're looking maybe, you know, around thirty points each team, maybe uh, maybe a little twenty-eight, thirty-one, something like that. I do hope this game is really close because. 
This is going to be a great game to watch. Question, is Minnesota's offense, I haven't seen them that much, are they kind of an aired-out offense? Yeah, well, they're like a more pro-style, you know, they've, they've they've thrown the ball. Like, if you went back and watched the Penn State game a few weeks ago, they threw the ball quite a bit that day. That's what I was thinking. And there was guys all open all over the yard. And, and they played Iowa, they were trying to throw the ball a good bit. And, and um, you know, they obviously lost that game, but... Yeah, it's Minnesota and off and Wisconsin are very different in those ways, but a classic brand of football. Uh, so did a little Wikipedia research on this one. Like we said, the Battle of Paul Bunyan's Axe. I think the, probably the coolest trophy in college football. It's just an axe. Yeah. Um, so the old fable of Paul Bunyan, he's, he's in Minnesota in that fable, and there's some... Waffle House or town in, in Minnesota that has a giant, giant statue of Paul Bunyan and his bull. I think his bull's name is Blue. I don't remember. I know the bull is Blue. Maybe yeah. his name was Blue. Whatever. Uh, so Paul Bunyan's axe was created by the Wisconsin uh, Letter Winners Organization, whatever that is, and would be instituted as a trophy in the series in 1948. The scores of each game are recorded on the axis handle, which is which is six feet long. So six foot long axe handle, score of every game from 1948 until 2014 on that, or until like 2000 on that trophy. So they created a new axe in 2000 because the original one was taken and put in the College Football Hall of Fame, which is now in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, which I've never been to. Have you been, by the way? I haven't been, but I've been almost multiple times. I definitely look forward to going to some place. Yeah, I tried to go this past summer, and I just wasn't able to go. Uh, but, yeah, so the original is there in Atlanta. So until 2014, when the game ended, if the team holding the trophy won, they would run to their own sideline, take the axe, and carry it around the field and chop down one or both goalposts. Uh, so basically, like Wisconsin won last year, if they won this year, they'd go to their own bench, grab that trophy, and just fake chop down one of the goalposts at Minnesota this weekend. If the team not holding the axe won, so like if Minnesota won, they would run to their opponent's sideline, steal the axe, and they have it now. So that that tradition, the tradition was changed in 2014 with the new axe, uh, with the axe now. Is just kept off the field until the game is over, which sucks. So, give me the axe. I like that's kind of a dumb tradition. You run over and steal the axe or whatever. You go back to your sideline and take your axe and chop down a field goal post. But it's fun. I mean, it's college football. Like, it's a sick trophy. Why would, you would? They should bring a little tree out and let them hack down the. Yeah, tree that's the what axe. I was thinking. I'm sure there were some skirmishes whenever that team go with if the lo- if the team that had it before. Loses the game, the other team comes and takes it. You know, guys, a rivalry game, guys probably talking junk throughout the whole game. That's so exactly like, so. In 2013, there was a near uh, fight on the sidelines in which Minnesota players surrounded their goalpost and would not let Wisconsin <laughs> players cher- ceremonially chop it down, which is such like, come on, Minnesota, play yeah. along. Don't it's, be a bunch of. Uh, it's it's kind of like win the game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't yeah. act like this, win the game. This didn't have to be a thing, but since you lost, it's like if this is the rival, just go ahead and let them do it. Yeah, like we didn't have to chop your field goal post down, but you suck and you lost, so we're, we're going to chop your field goal post down. Give us the liberty. Um, and then I guess the tradition has been restored. So it was just the tradition was changed in 2014, and it was skipped for a few years. But now it's back, apparently, and, I mean, we'll get to see it this Saturday. Thank God. But here, I didn't... So I knew kind of a good bit about Paul Bunyan's axe. 
Uh, mainly probably just because of playing old NCAA games. Yep. And I would always be Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. They were my Big Ten team. But I didn't know this. So they had originally their trophy was this thing called the Slab of Bacon. And it's, I mean, it's just a piece of black walnut wood with an M or W on it, depending on the way you look at it, uh, and which is Minnesota, Wisconsin. So whatever team won would just flip it to where their letter would show the correct, you know, way up. Uh, it was just a piece of wood. It's called a slab of bacon. And the words bacon was carved at both ends, implying that the winner had brought home the bacon uh, when they won. The trophy's tenure ended when Minnesota's 1943 victory in Minnesota led to the fans rushing the field. Wisconsin student Peg Watrous was to bring the trophy to a Minnesota representative after the game, but could not find her in the commotion and subsequently lost track of the trophy, the bacon. Reportedly, the trophy was sent to Minnesota's locker room, but the coach refused, refused it, suggesting such traditions be held off until after World War II. So there's a few little stories there about how it was lost or whatever. Uh, so ended, anyway, ended up being lost, and Paul Bunyan's axe was introduced in 1948. That trophy, the slab of bacon, was lost for over 50 years. But in 92, Wisconsin coach Barry Alvarez joked that we took, it, we took on the bacon and kept it. And in 1994, a couple years later, a Wisconsin intern, let's shout out his name, what's this, Will Rolson? Yeah. Found it, on a, found it in a storage closet at Camp Randall Stadium. How funny is that? That's crazy. They lose this trophy. 50, this is like, these are the little things that when you allow the kids to play, so they say, when you let college rivalries have fun, they lose a trophy for 50 years, <laughs> and then some intern in the 90s finds it in a storage closet at Camp Randall, which is Wisconsin's home stadium. Um, it had evidently been maintained for some time as... Game scores through the 1970s were painted on the back. Which is even crazier because that means somebody... Someone had it and was just keeping score and not telling anybody. Yeah, see, this is what we had. No, 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 I'm good with having the professional person make sure that ride these trophies go where they're supposed to be. That is crazy. Yeah, it was really cool. This was by far, I think, the most interesting story I looked up. And, and there's one more trophy that I think is really just kind of funny. Um... But the story was not as good as this behind it. So Wisconsin, Minnesota playing for this little piece of wood that just says bacon on it. And then they lose it for 50 years. And no one really knows how it got lost, right? It was supposed to be taken to the Minnesota thing, our uh, representative, but the girl from Wisconsin couldn't find her, the Minnesota representative, and because the field got rushed. But then apparently the coach got it, but he's, he didn't accept it. But we don't know if that's true. But somehow Wisconsin ended up with it being in a storage closet at Camp Randall for 50 years, where it turns out someone was just keeping it a secret. Um, I, that's pretty funny. Couple just, things, real quick. Uh, one, imagine like God forbid Mike died, but imagine the person died who was maintaining it, and it's just like that's something that goes to your grave. 50 years. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. So it's something that goes to your grave. You maintaining the score, like have fun, or at least uh, hiding it or whatever. Maybe somebody told you where it was. You just keep. That's crazy. So you know, well, I don't know back then. That easily could have. That's not out of the realm of possibilities that whoever had this was maybe like a, like an old like 
equipment manager or yeah. something at Wisconsin. And he's kept this thing hiding in his closet. Once a year, he turns on the light in this little that's a dicey, yeah. two by two closet, and he's got a stool. Only thing he's got in there is a stool and this little piece of wood that says bacon on it. And he etches the score in and yeah. he hangs it back up and he locks the closet door and he sees it again next year. And then that guy dies and no one knows where it is for. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. But nowadays, you can never do anything like this because all the security cameras. But that's super dope. Also, love the name Slab of Bacon. When I think about a Minnesota bar, like a breakfast bar, that's yeah. what I think of. You go in there, I have some bacon. You know, like that. It just it's, it really it's brings very, it together. very like Minnesota, Wisconsin, like Northwest cold, right? Like yeah, Great definitely. Lakes. Like when you think about uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you ever seen uh, you ever seen that show Fargo? Not heard of it. Okay. All right, in Fargo, it's a—I mean, good show by the way. If you want to watch it, go watch it. They—they're uh, in Minnesota. The story takes place in Minnesota, and is there's just snow on the ground forever, and it looks freezing, and people just walk in, and there's like, you know, they go to a diner, uh, and it's just like the same kind of like TV type story where you, you know, you're real cold, go inside, you take off your 18 coats, yeah, hanging on the coat Hang rack at the hand. bar, yeah. Sit down at the diner, grab some bacon, grab some very, you know, Midwest, like, I want some cheese and some bacon. Hot coffee. Yeah. Black. Black <laughs> coffee. Yeah, exactly. Black coffee. Uh, yeah, just, just a whole, I mean, I love that story so much. So, like we said, Minnesota, Wisconsin, tied 60, 60, and 8 all time. 3.30 on ABC Saturday. Hopefully, I'll be able to catch the second half of that game. So, I'll be at the Palmetto Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Saturday. So, I mean, gonna be a, a gonna be a really good game this year. Probably the most this game has meant in a long time. So, which who did you say you're taking? Uh, I'm taking Wisconsin. Okay. I'm, I'm I think I said Minnesota, but if I did, I'm changing. I'm taking Wisconsin. Okay. I'll be rooting for Minnesota. I think. Yeah, that's all. I'm definitely rooting for over Minnesota. We'll, we'll see. Win. We'll see. Uh, so you taking Minnesota to win that one? Yeah, I want to see Minnesota play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. So I'll take Minnesota. Minnesota by the way, they that happens. The Big Ten Championship then becomes a quarterfinal for the College Football Championship. Yep. Because whoever beat, you know, Ohio State, Minnesota, whoever won would get it. Uh, number five, Alabama this weekend at number 16, Auburn. We'll start right here. Mac Jones in for Tua. Yep. No shot Auburn has to win. Iron Bowl is Alabama all the way. I can I am guaranteeing. I don't know what the line is right now because I haven't looked, but whatever the spread is, take Alabama plus the points. Alabama will beat Auburn by 20 points this weekend. Really? Yeah. I don't think there's. I don't think you can't tell me this game's gonna be close. They are gonna slice and dice them. Auburn. Auburn is Auburn. <laughs> Auburn is Auburn. Um, but like, are they good? But they are not Alabama, dude, and Alabama is going to smoke them. I don't think it's going to be close. I don't care if Mac Jones is playing quarterback. I don't care if two is playing. I don't care if Matthew Anderson's playing quarterback. <laughs> this they are too good at receiver and too good at running back and offensive line for this game to be close. And I get Auburn has one of the best defenses in the SEC, but how far has that defense got him? Right? It got him a loss at LSU, got him a loss against Florida. And it's it's not getting them anywhere. And Auburn's or Alabama's going to win. And Gus Malzahn is going to get fired. If not Saturday night, he's going to get fired the first weekend of December after the uh, SEC championship. And he's going to Arkansas. 
<laughs> That's your pick. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and take Auburn. Well, I'm definitely rooting for Auburn. I don't know if they can pull out the win, but I'm. They're at home. I need some magic. What were they called? The magic. What did they call that year when they had all that magic happening? Jordan here. Uh, uh, the, the the I don't know what they called the year. Right. That was the year that Georgia. They caught that weird like. They call that the miracle in the plains or something like that. That's that's a that is an excellent name, miracle. Yeah, yeah it's like the it's like the uh, Meadowlands thing, the miracle in the Meadowlands, whatever with the Eagles and the Giants. Um, but and then that was the same year as the kick six. Yep. Like people forget those games were like two weeks apart. So just that was 2011 or something, 2012. It's yeah, been a while ago now. That was a little while now, but yeah, I'm taking. I want Auburn. I don't know if they can win this game. I'm definitely rooting for them, so I'm going to take them there. Hopefully, Bo Nix can put it together here, and uh, the defense line can get after Mac Jones a little bit. I don't, Henry Ruggs, I don't think he finished the game last week, so I, don't, I didn't check the injury report to see if he'll be playing this week, but I want to see some War Eagle, see him get the job done. Hopefully, okay. Cam shows up. By the way, Auburn's got a new eagle. They're getting a new eagle. Uh, I saw the sunline this week because I followed some just degenerates on Twitter tweet about Eagles at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, the, so the eagle that they have fly around the stadium before every home game is getting changed. And I think the new one's going to be called Aura or something. Aurora? I don't they know. They already got the tiger and their war eagle, and now they're going to get changed the name of the eagle they or whatever. Their, well, they're not like, so the, they just get an eagle to fly around yeah. and they chant War Eagle, and each eagle has a different name. Um, just because it usually comes from a zoo or something or some bird person. Uh, is Tumor's Corner still a thing, by the way? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, I, they I, won't be rolling Tumor's Corner this weekend, though. They'll be <laughs> frying in their beers on, around Tumor's Corner. Because it was the Alabama fan that poisoned. Yeah, uh, Harvey Updike. Yeah, all right, yeah. Let's get into the rivalry. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's get into the rivalry a little bit. All right, so we'll background. Obviously, it's called the Iron Bowl. Alabama leads all time, 46-36-1. Uh, it was played in Birmingham in Legion Field for years. Did you like that better? Uh, so that they changed that in the 80s or 70s. Um, so the reason they changed it is because Birmingham, playing the Iron Bowl, was basically just in Birmingham, which is why they called it Iron Bowl, the Iron City is Birmingham. Yeah. It was basically a home game for Alabama, and their fans would just deck it out, right? It was way too close to, to Tuscaloosa uh. for Auburn fans to make it. Um, but then Pat Dye, who, if you've seen Bo Jackson's special on ESPN, and, and a bunch of Pat Dye's been always does the specials on ESPN, 30 for 30 is everything, SEC store. Uh, he's the man for doing that, and I love talking to him about it, or listening to him talk about it. But he got that game to go to Auburn because he wanted he wanted the game to be a home-and-home home like it is now, like one year in Tuscaloosa, one year in Auburn, because he felt it was so unfair. Uh, and Auburn won the first time it was held in Auburn. He got him to change it. But if you, And if you haven't seen it, go watch – what Matthew brought up just a second ago, go watch the Roll, Roll Tide War Eagle documentary. I believe it's an SEC story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But it's part of the 30 for 30 like overall landscape. Go watch that. And in it, you will see a man called Harvey Updike who went to Tumor's Corner uh, and the tradition at Auburn is after each win, the students go out and they take rolls of toilet paper on, and there's these big oak trees at Tumor's Corner in Auburn and they just toilet paper the trees yeah. and it looks crazy and if you haven't seen it look up Tumor's Corner on Google right now and just Google a picture of it and you can see it uh, but they do that for every win and Harvey Updike when I don't know I guess it's been six seven years ago now maybe longer 
poisoned the trees at Tumor's Corner after the Cam Newton year, I think. Yeah, because that so Cam it, Newton year, that thing was because they were winning every game, and it, it was just ex- I know that was an exciting time to be at Auburn. I interrupt you. Go ahead. No, yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And he said he did it in response to some Auburn fan hanging a Cam Newton jersey on the Bear Bryant statue at Alabama, if I can remember that correctly. Yeah. But the whole story is kind of sh- sh- like done through Paul Feinbaum's show. And Harvey, yeah, yeah. Harvey calls into Paul Feinbaum's show uh, throughout you know, the story and him poisoning Tumor's Corner to kind of talk about it with Paul. And there's this one long, like, and it goes on throughout the documentary. Um, Alabama and Auburn fans, I've, I've seen comments from them, they hate the video because they think it makes them look bad. Guess what? You look bad. You're all scumbags. Right? <laughs> you live in the state of Alabama. 99% of you are just really redneck. The other 1% of you are Charles Barkley. Um, <laughs> and, and and Bo Jackson's his own breed. Yeah, completely. Yeah, uh, he's an alien. Yeah. Um, you see, like, he be, I think he's, he doesn't even watch that much football. No, he doesn't care. Well, I think he does now more than he used to. But I know there's a while in his 30 for 30. Yeah, well, you don't know like, Bo. Yeah, yeah, love that. Uh, Bo Jackson, my, my second favorite athlete of all time. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, like, so Harvey just poisoned these trees and he calls into Paul Feinbaum every day. He's like, hey, Paul, I poisoned them trees. Paul, roll damn tight. And he hangs up the phone, and it's it's so funny. Go watch that before the Iron Bowl this weekend. When you're sitting around tonight, Wednesday night, and you're thinking, man, I wish there was football on right now, buy ESPN Plus for 5 bucks a month, cancel it after you watch Roll Tide War yep. Eagle. Or you can just buy Roll Tide War Eagle on Amazon, I think. Uh, 3.30 CBS Saturday. Um, it, it's just an incredible list of players who have played in this game, as we can say with most of these rivalries in the South. Uh, but, yeah, it's, I mean, this is going to be a really good game. Another good, the, the Iron Bowl is always good. But they're getting, they've got some competition this year with, you know, Battle for Paul Bunyan's Axe and Michigan-Ohio State. Yeah which is the next game on the docket here. By the way, you picked Auburn. I got Alabama, but big in, in Auburn Saturday on the Plains. Number two, Ohio State. By the way, and we are using another by the way here. Got a lot of by the ways. These number two, I'm using the AP poll because the college football playoff poll is, is not out yet. I assume Ohio State is going to be number two, uh, but maybe by the time you're listening to this, the college football playoff poll has it ranked differently. Anyway. Number two, Ohio State at number 10, Michigan. It's called historically the game, which I don't like because like 18 rivalries are called the game. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah, I, I guess this is probably the most famous one. Um, but Michigan can actually win this game. We talked about it a little bit uh, Monday. Yeah. We, this wasn't a game like a month and a half ago. No one was counting on this being a game. It's a game now for sure. Like, this is going to be a legit game. Especially the fact that it's in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State is going to have to gonna have to play this game. Like, it's going to be a legit win if they win. Um, in Ann Arbor, in the big house, Jim Harbaugh has never beaten Ohio State. He's 0-5. But, to be fair, Ryan Day, uh, Ryan Day has never beaten Michigan or lost to Michigan. This is his first year as a head coach. Yep. We'll see how he does. Uh, Michigan leads. This surprised me. I, I wouldn't have thought Michigan led the series, just because I think over my lifetime it was pretty much been Ohio State. Definitely. Fifty-eight, fifty to six. Which brings up a greater point, 
Can you imagine if we still had ties? I am so glad we do not. That infuriates me. I hate when I see them in the NFL. Like it's like, no, let these guys duke this thing out to the end. I do not want to go back and be like, oh, we tied the game, so we're kind of fifty-fifty there. Yeah, a lot of people complain about. I don't college overtime. I think I don't think people complain about watching college overtime and it not being entertaining. People complain about it in the fact that. It's not the same way the rest of the first four quarters of the game played. It's a completely different game. I'd agree with that a little bit. Uh, but it's so much fun. Who cares? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you got to say, you know what? All right, you you guys couldn't figure it out. So here's what we're going to do. And if you really want to win this game, you'll stop them at the 25. Yeah. So it, it's just like getting a 75-yard head start in your drive. It is so much fun to watch college football over time. And if it took... I mean, I just cannot believe if there was still time. Can you imagine going to Williams Bryce Saturday and say, or better yet, going to Williams Bryce ten years ago when South Carolina Clemson were both ranked in the top ten, and that game had major implications on bowl bids, and it ended in a tie. Yeah, no, the fan how you would have felt. The fan bases would not be happy because then when you after the game you go to a wing joint and it's like, yo, look, you look at the other guy who usually either be like, ha ha, or you know, you sit down and say anything. It's like. I guess we had a mutual win there, and it's like, no, nobody wants that, especially in a rivalry game. Yeah, it, it's really annoying. Uh, it, to, I mean, I don't care about the ties in history now. I'm just so glad we, we don't have that. No trophy for Ohio State-Michigan. Um, Ohio State has some great trophies with other schools, and uh, Michigan does too. My favorite one Ohio State has, they play Illinois for this thing called the Buck. Yeah. It's a wooden turtle. It's <laughs> I don't know why I, I didn't look up the history of it. I don't know why it, there's a wooden turtle as the trophy, but it's pretty cool. So if you haven't seen, go look that up on Wikipedia. I think in this game though, if if Ohio State, no, if Michigan wins, Ohio State, no, if Ohio State wins, then they get like yellow pants or something like that. Yeah, it's okay. like it's like a weird little thing like that. I'll look into it. We'll talk about it more. I know at Ohio State, the tradition is the week of rivalry week, like this week. Uh, kids go around campus and they put little X's over every M. That they see, yeah, 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 like the Ohio State, like uh, university, like they you X out the M's or whatever, and everything at Ohio State. Um, like now, it's more so like on social media and Twitter, so you'll see like a red, the red X emoji. Oh, sorry, let me not pop. Just slap the mic there. Uh, <laughs> they take like a, you know, they'll use a red X for Michigan, so it's like X Michigan, um, stuff like that, like little things like that. But there's no like real trophy. Yeah. There's a bunch of like side things that go on with this one, which yeah. is cool. And then I just did some research. And, uh, it's common knowledge that Ohio State players and coaches receive a gold pin in the shape of uh, football pants following a, a victory against the team up north. Yes, okay. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I forgot about they call Michigan the team up north. Yeah, yeah. I um, love it. Ohio State fans don't really refer to them as that. Urban Meyer will probably be saying that on the broadcast. Yeah. In Florida, uh, here, a lot of South Carolina fans call Clemson the team in the upstate. Florida, it's the team out west. See, if you listen, Tebow loves that. If you listen to Tebow, he always calls them the team out west. I don't think he. I've heard him ever call them Florida State. Ever. Wow. Uh, which is cool. All right, here's the second trophy I said we'd get to that was pretty cool. Egg Bowl, Thursday night, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Why is it called the Egg Bowl? I, I've thought about it forever. What the hell are they talking? Why is it called the Egg Bowl? <laughs> was there some kind of egg thing back in the day? Um, Sounds like some Mississippi-type Mississippi stuff. Yeah, so as we mentioned at the top of the show with some of these schools around the South, 
there's a big state university, and then the second university was usually an ag college. That's mm -hmm. how Mississippi, Mississippi State was, right? Ole Miss is the university in Mississippi, Mississippi State, originally called Mississippi A&M, uh, was created as an agri agriculture college, and they were originally, their mascot was originally the Aggies. So the Aggies, this is straight from Wikipedia. Uh, that's, that's instead of my, I did great research on Wikipedia this week. Did a lot of it. The Aggies dominated the early days of the series, including a 13-game A&M win, uh, which is now Mississippi State, winning streak from 1911 to 1925, during which time the Aggies outscored the Rebels by a combined 327 points to 33 points. So they smoked them every year there for quite some time. Through 1925, Ole Miss had only won five games, five times out of the 23 total contest. In 1926, when the Rebels ended their 13 game, I, they keep saying red and blue instead of. I don't yeah, know. I saw that. I was like, what is that's that? Weird. Yeah. Uh, the I think that's maybe to exclude the word Rebels on Wikipedia now, but the Rebels still are their mascot. Uh, ended their 13 game losing streak by defeating. A&M 7-6 in Starkville. The Ole Miss fans rushed the field with some trying to tear down the goalposts. A&M fans did not take well to Ole Miss fans destroying their property and fights broke out. So, which, I mean, <laughs> Mississippi. it's so funny to go back and listen. Like, South Carolina Clemson has a lot of things. Uh, I mean, there was actual, like, on the horseshoe, there were, Clemson had the old cadets because they were agriculture and military college marching down, like, uh, the streets here, there were future presidents who parts of the university are named after McKissick, uh, being one of them, the McKissick Museum right on the back of the horseshoe, who were armed and about to, you know, have a just a straight war with Clemson uh, attendees, enrollees, whatever you want to call them. And, and like, those are kind of crazy things happened just long ago, and it's still almost that way, except now we're not loading up the nine to <laughs> fight, fight hopefully no one's shooting any fans this yeah, weekend. Yeah. We don't need we can do without that that kind of violence. Uh, but yeah, so you got a fight down in Starkville uh, back in the early nineteen hundreds. And some A and M defended the the some Mississippi State A and M in the back in the day. Fans defended the goalposts with wooden chairs and several injuries were reported. According to one account, this so some guy said Irate Aggie supporters took after the ambitious Ole Miss group with cane-bottom chairs, and fights broke out. The mayhem continued until most of the chairs were splintered, so they were just beating the crap out of people with wheelchairs, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, to prevent such events in the future, students of the two schools created the Golden Egg, a large trophy which has been awarded to the winning team each year since 1927. The trophy is a large football-shaped brass piece mounted on a wooden base and traditionally symbolizes supremacy in college football in the state of Mississippi for the year. So the reason it looks like an egg is because back in the early 1900s, footballs didn't look like you pick up a football now. They look more like a rugby-style ball. Yeah. And this trophy was meant to be look like a football, but it just looks like an egg. Right, right. And it started being called the Egg Bowl. Let's see, what year was that? Uh, the, the game... The game was given the nickname Egg Bowl by a sports writer, Tom Patterson, in 1979. So he started calling it the Egg Bowl, and it just stuck. And everybody caught on. Yep. Ole Miss leads the series, you know, after those first 13 years there, whatever it was, uh, Mississippi State hasn't won many times. Ole Miss leads 62-15-6 all-time. 
like I said, this game is Thanksgiving Day, 7.30 on ESPN. I'm going with Mississippi State this year. They have showed me signs that they can play a decent football game. Um, Ole Miss, I just don't – you don't have – Matt Luke is not the guy for you, and he's not going to make you have a good football team. So I don't, I'm not going to put my faith in him, basically just because of that. I'm, I'm going to take Mississippi State. Ole Miss, uh, their quarterback had that big running day against uh, LSU, correct? Yes, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I want to see. I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I don't know how much I'm doing these picks for, like, information-based. I just think I just want to see Ole Miss win. Just want, I just want Ole Miss to win. That's and your gut feeling. Some notable alumni for this game is, uh, you know, Dak Prescott obviously played for Mississippi State. But around the time Chad Kelly was there, actually, and yep. obviously he played for Ole Chad Miss. Swag Kelly, baby. Swag I Kelly. love swag. <laughs> you see that he almost – he was – I forgot which team. It was earlier this season. He was the backup for the game because the quarterback Colts, injury. yeah, the Colts. Yeah. When uh, my guy Brisket was out, Jacoby Brisket. Brissett. Yeah, I was yeah. Calling the brisket. Love. By the way, we'll go on this rant some other day because we're we're already going to be long with, with this show. Yeah. Why do people think like the Colts were going to suck when Brissett got the job? Yeah. I was. I've been on the. We'll ask producer Brendan's out today. I'll have him back me up on the next one. I've been a I've been a brisket guy since day one. <laughs> I love him. Oh, you like him a lot? Oh yeah, I love Jacoby Brissett. He's the man. Yeah, He's came bombing. came out of NC State, went to the Patriots, right? Yep. Yeah, and then but then to also go back to this game. Also, Patrick Willis went to Ole Miss. He's about to enter the College Football Hall of Fame. Yep. So exciting news for him. That game, like you said, will be. Jevin Sneed was in this uh, rivalry. Jevin Sneed just passed away um, earlier in the season. He was a former Ole Miss quarterback. Gamecock fans, you would know Jevin Sneed, the birthplace of Stanford, uh, Sandstorm in two thousand whatever when Ole Miss was ranked yeah. number four in the nation. They came to Columbia on a Thursday night. Sandstorm was birthed at USC that night. Jevin Sneed was the quarterback for Ole Miss. He passed away earlier this year, but he was really, really good at Ole Miss during his time. Um, Dak Prescott recently, I mean, pretty good guys in the last 10 or 15 years. And if you really want to take it back, the Mannings at Ole Miss. That's why I was just thinking Archie Manning. Archie. Uh, some really good old old Miss teams there. Also, a lot. Uh, one thing is, you know, JUCO football is pretty big in the state of Mississippi. Oh yeah. So I know they they enjoy having this game on Thursday. So let's say you maybe went to um, old old Miss or Mississippi State, you can still go back and watch some of the better JUCO guys uh, compete on Saturday. Absolutely, that's Thanksgiving Day, as you said, seven thirty on ESPN. Uh, I, what's the the Saints Falcons are that night? Don't watch the Saints Falcons unless you have multiple TVs, which. Do that if you don't. If you yeah. don't have multiple screens, get multiple screens to watch <laughs> football. It makes it so much better. Yeah, turn on the Egg Bowl. It'll be a good game. Um, I think it'll be pretty competitive this year, hopefully. All right, we're going to take it out west to our guy. I think maybe it's probably time we anoint Mike Leach, coach of, of the lead block. Yeah. He's our guy. Coach um, of the year. Yeah. He, we, we, just, we just love him, so. Uh, our guy Mike Leach, Washington State at Washington this weekend in the Apple Cup. Uh, the teams used to play for something called the Governor's Trophy from 1934 to 1961, but the game was renamed the Apple Cup in '62 because of Washington's na- national reputation as a major producer of apples. I think I prefer the Apple Cup. No, I, mean, I mean the Governor's Trophy. I, I kind of like, like the Apple Cup. You do? I, I'm I'm against you there. Yeah, I like the Apple Cup. It's weird. It's like it's Apple Cup kind of rolls off the tongue. Um, it's just I don't you you think of and it's pretty much sums up like football in the Pacific Northwest like no one really cares we're thinking about apples but there are some people who care and Pullman they'll definitely be caring this weekend 
Uh, Washington's over Seattle. That's where Starbucks. Yeah, and, uh, Washington is in Tacoma, I believe, uh, which is close to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, mostly when they think, of, well, at least me, when I think of Washington, I think of Seattle and think about Starbucks and uh, yeah, also a lot of technology, right? Yeah, Colin yeah. Cowherd too, right? If I'm not mistaken, he's from Washington. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's from the state of Washington. So I don't. That might hurt the rivalry game a little. I don't know. I like <laughs> Colin Coward. I like him occasionally. Yeah, I like him a lot. Every now and then. Um, Washington leads all time, 73-32-6. and six. It's f- best thing about this game. God, I love the Pac-12 for doing this. Friday. It's a Friday game. Friday at 1 o'clock on Fox. Turn on the Apple Cup. Sit down. Put your butt on the couch. Watch the Apple Cup. Watch Mike Leach score a billion points. Jacob Easton's still at Washington, by the way. Former yeah. Georgia quarterback. Yeah. Um, Hasn't had the year that we would have thought he had in, what's this guy, the old boys state, Chris Peters, Peterson? Chris, Chris Peterson, yeah. Chris Peterson, Washington coach. Mike Leach, and you're going to have Anthony Gordon tacking on to his Pac-12 single-season records that we talked about on Monday's show. Um, Who you got? I got Washington. I, I, you know I got my guy. My guy, yeah. Mike Leach, throwing the ball over the yard. Washington hasn't shown any comp- – like the last few years, their defense has been really good, and they've had good quarterbacks who will score 30 points a game. Um, which Eason is capable of, certainly. Their defense has helped them win a lot of games and shut down a lot of teams and helped them win like they do to even be elevated to a point to be a college football playoff championship contender. They're not that team this year. That's what I was about to say. Cause I remember just not too long ago they were playing against Penn State in a New Year's uh, Six game. Yeah, they were really good. But how the mighty have fallen. Also, Washington State was supposed to be really good this year, too. They came into the season ranked 11th, I believe, and they they fell off. They were very mediocre. Um, <laughs> As Mike Leach would tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll be the first to tell you his team sucks. Uh, so there we go. I got my guy, Mike Leach. Who you take? Yeah, I take Washington My State. guy, Mike Leach. All right, Cougars on Friday. Excuse me. Friday at 1 o'clock on Fox. Civil War. Stay in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon at number four. Oregon State at number 14. Oregon. There is no chance Oregon State keeps this game within 65, 70 points. They scored a lot last week at Washington State, and it was a really interesting game. Uh, but Oregon does have some defensive players, and they are going to be pissed after yeah. <laughs> at Arizona State. I mean, they are going to be pissed because now they've got to fight their way to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, which yep. was all but guaranteed. Um, yeah, they, they can it's, – it's in Austin Stadium, which is in Eugene, Oregon's home stadium, which, by the way, they, when they built Austin – they built it into the ground a little, yeah. So the noise echoes, and the, the, it holds like sixty thousand people. But it is super loud. I wonder Austin. how it is compared to like the, these SEC games and stuff like that. Uh, I bet the noise. It, I bet it's you know they use that old trick to make it just sound echoier, and it's kind of an annoying noise. But they aren't. I have a hard time believing anywhere is as loud as some of these SEC schools like Columbia, Georgia. Uh, you can throw Clemson in that group too. Yeah. Uh, and Florida State, when Florida State fans actually go to a game. I think there's probably been 10 total Florida State fans that have been to a game this year. Yeah, since Jameis um, Winston, they've slowed down. Yeah. Yeah, in, in places like that. Uh, so, from 1950, I wanted to again find out why they called it the Civil War. From 1959 to 1961, this is they have a cool name for the trophy. The trophy isn't as cool as it should be. The Platypus Trophy was awarded to the winner. <laughs> It was lost for over 40 years and finally found in 2005. What is up with schools losing these trophies? Um, beginning with the 2007 game, it is awarded to the Winning Schools Alumni Association, which is weird. They don't really give it to the university. They give it to the Alumni Association. Yes, we I, I don't know. I don't know what the I'm sure there's some 
reason behind weird it. reason behind it. But yeah, it, it's just a wooden platypus, and it's not even carved that greatly, honestly. Um, I'd love to see someone make a new platypus trophy and have it be sick. Because, I mean, if you lost it for 50, 60 years, really how important is it? Um, but, yeah, awesome trophy name. Good idea, poor execution. Uh, similar to what's happened in Columbia this season with South Carolina's football season. Uh, season. Good idea, poor execution. <laughs> Oregon leads all time, 65, 47, and 10. Uh, used to be called, the, like I said, it used to be called the Oregon Classic. I don't know if I did say that. It used to be called the Oregon Classic until around 1937. Then it started calling the Civil War. Um, I, I wanted to find out why they called the Civil War. I don't think there was any reason. They just started calling it the Civil War, from what I found. Uh, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Excuse me on the Pac-12 Network, Saturday. Two things. Uh, one, I remember whenever this was a really good rivalry. Uh, back when Brandon Cooks was playing, yeah. I hated Brandon Cooks. Nothing against him, but uh, <laughs> I remember he got that Blintikoff Award over Sammy Watkins Blintikoff, at the time. Yeah. I just could not understand it. Also, you can expect for to see some nice uniforms in this game. Oh, oh yeah, you got what Oregon State. Oregon State's changed yours up a little bit. They had like a cream color last week at Washington State. I like that. The orange and the black is an interesting color scheme. Um, also, you know what I love about these two teams it is on the kind of that same note, they have weird colors, right? Green and yellow. I think Oregon's the only school in the country that's green and yellow. Orange and black and, like, bright orange. And, like, black is actually one of their colors and not just, like, a rare third jersey. Um, that's kind of strange, too, and off. But they're the Beavers and the Ducks. Very, like, local to Oregon, right? There's plenty of ducks and plenty of beavers in Oregon. Um, and they're weird. Like, you don't, no one else is called the beavers, and I can't think of another college football team called the ducks. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I think that's cool. Us, like, Oregon, the duck, the mascot, like, the stuffed animal mascot, probably the, the best mascot, stuffed one in, in the country. I love that guy, the Oregon duck. And it's been great. I don't, I assume they have students do it. However, they train them. Is must be incredible because Oregon Ducks been really good for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, they really have. Awesome. Ride the motorcycle. Yeah, it's really unique. One can say very like newish kind of. I remember when they first started. I can't even think of the guy's name. They first started wearing the different uniforms. Do you remember the quarterback's name? Oh gosh, Mariota. No, um, before him is way before. Oh, did he wear number two? It might have been. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. God, it was a long day. And they used to have, like, the shell, almost like turtles with, the like, the um, the line, the white lines on the green uniforms on the, on shoulder, the shoulder pads. pads. Yeah. And I was like, what are they doing? But now they've evolved. I was watching their game. I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights last week, and I'm like, man, it's nice. And even whenever they played Florida State and uh, Rose Bowl a couple years back, wherever Jameis Winston had the thing where he threw the ball backwards or whatever. Yeah. Remember that? Like, I was like, you see the evolution of the uniforms. It's like, wow, that's great to see. I remember when they first broke out the chrome with the wings. They yeah. Wisconsin and the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Wisconsin also had nice helmets that day, too. They yeah. had in inside of the W on the side of their helmet, it was a rose. Um, but, yeah, God, those are sick. The Oregon uniforms, I've kind of gotten over them now. Yeah. But when I go back and look at the old ones, I'm still like, damn, those are awesome. Yeah, I always remember, like, the, also DeAnthony Thomas. By the way, did you know he plays for the Ravens? I did not. I was looking at I didn't make a tweet about it. It's Lamar crazy. Went off last night. Yeah, you got Lamar, DeAnthony Thomas, RG3, and Hollywood Brown. Like, the speed on that Hollywood team went off last is night, ridiculous. Too. And, I mean, you could throw Mark Ingram, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, too. It's like He went off last night, too. Everyone yeah. of the Ravens went off last night. You saw they had to separate Jalen Ramsey from the uh, 
Marcus Peters. Jalen Ramsey is. I'm. I'm over Jalen. I was on Jalen Ramsey's train for a little while when he was talking crap about quarterbacks because I thought it was funny and interesting. I'm off now because he's just a baby and he got absolutely ran over. By yeah, Mark yeah, he night. he really did. I think um, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, like it's fun. It was hilarious because like he goes to L.A. with all this bright lights and it's like, ooh, and he went to L.A. to win, and clearly the Rams yeah, they're are not winning. Doing that. All yeah. right, we'll get back to college football. So Oregon and Oregon State, a lot of fun. Uh, Civil War Friday at four o'clock. Watch that after you watch the Apple Cup. Um, next, another another good name here. I love this. Bedlam. Single word name Bedlam, number seven Oklahoma at number twenty one Oklahoma State. Oh, by the way, I think we'll probably both be taking Oregon. Yeah. Though. All right. Just just wanted to clear that. Unless you're calling upset of the century for Oregon State. Um, bedlam. So the term Bedlam actually began with a rivalry between the school's prestigious wrestling programs, uh, more particularly the raucous crowds that attended the old matches at Oklahoma State's. Gallagher, whatever arena at Oklahoma State's wrestling arena. Uh, that I thought that was interesting. I didn't know. Where, I'd, I'd you know as we were doing this, like like I said with the Civil War, I wanted to know where the term bedlam came from. Right. Um, which bedlam just means like an uprising, kind of. It's it's. Oh, that's word. good. Yeah. Oh, that's good for a rivalry. Yeah, it, it's really, it's bedlam. Like there is, hell is, is hitting the field. Um. So number seven Oklahoma at number twenty one Oklahoma State. The this this was an interesting story I saw too. The first Bedlam football game was held at Island Park, now known as Mineral Wells Park in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, it doesn't matter where it was held. It was cold. It was a cold and very windy day with temperatures well below the freezing mark. At one moment in the game, when uh, when the Oklahoma A and M Aggies were punting, I'm assuming that's Oklahoma State. <laughs> the wind uh, the wind carried the ball backwards behind the kicker. Uh, if the Oklahoma A&M squad recovered the ball, it would be a touchback, and the University of Oklahoma squad, and if the o- University of Oklahoma squad recovered, it would be a touchdown. The ball rolled down a hill into the half-frozen, half-frozen creek, which is the most Oklahoma thing you can imagine. <laughs> They're just playing out in the middle of a damn field with a creek running behind them. <laughs> Since a touchdown was at stake, members of both teams dove into the icy waters to wow. recover the ball. You gotta love it. A member of Oklahoma, OU, came out with the ball down to for a touchdown. The funniest thing about this story, <laughs> they give you that whole long paragraph, <laughs> this this you know story about oh uh, you know what happened on that day, and they're all chasing this ball, and it's this huge moment in the game. Oklahoma won seventy five nothing. <laughs> it didn't matter at all. <laughs> all of that from what? I'll yep. tell you about uh, this game though. I was watching it uh, a couple years back. I think this might be the very game wherever the Oklahoma State had the notorious guy who's going out of bounds and defender throws the ball back inbounds. I think that was Iowa State. Though. Okay, I, I, I could be wrong. I think it was Iowa State. There. Well, anyway, cool that was play. Incredible play. That incredible play. Also, I remember. I think Baker Mayfield was playing in it one time. One of these uh, the Oklahoma State defender. Or the, I don't know. It was a collision between the Oklahoma State guy and, o- and Oklahoma guy. And, like, his helmet, like, glass sheared off, like, and the camera caught it. And I was like, that describes this rivalry, like, to the T. I yeah. think it was, like, face mask or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's bedlam. Yeah. So, at Oklahoma State this week, you you should know who I'm taking. But who are you taking? I, I'm pretty sure I know who you're taking. I'm taking Oklahoma. I love Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, I'm right? love Jalen. But I'm, I'm taking the mullet one more time. Give me the mullet. Give me Oklahoma State at home in Stillwater. I, 
The Cowboys, o- I right? Want, yeah, I like Oklahoma. I don't think I've ever rooted for them in this game. Yeah, because I like Gundy and the Cowboys so much, and they've had fun players for a long time. And if you haven't been paying attention to Chuba Hubbard this year, running back for Oklahoma State, I mean, you missed the first eleven games, but pay attention Saturday night. Uh, it, it, this this will be a good game. It's a fun rivalry. Oklahoma, very good football state. Very very good football state. Don't let the size of the stadium fool you. They hold like fifty five thousand or something at Oklahoma State. Very good football state. Their high school stadiums are absurd. So they're like Texas high school oh, stadiums. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. Um, yeah, Texas, Florida, California, some Georgia schools too, uh, like that kind of stuff. Oklahoma leads all time, 88-18-7, but make it 88-19-7 Saturday night. Give me Oklahoma State. Uh, Saturday, 8 o'clock on Fox. One thing really quickly, uh, Oklahoma State is without their star wide receiver. Who's up for the Blintikoff? Yeah, Tylen Wallace, he's out for the year with the torn ACL. Uh, The Blintikoff winner, speaking of Oklahoma State Blintikoff winners, Justin Blackman won over Alshon Jeffrey. Back in 2010, how did you feel about that? Yeah, well, growing up a South Carolina fan, I was, you know, pretty pissed. I, you know what? Still, right now, if I had to vote on that again, <laughs> give it to Alshon. Who was Justin Blackman's doing in the Big 12 against Big 12 defenses? Alshon's out here snagging one-handed, triple-covered PI all over the place <laughs> against Alabama. Uh, I, I think that catch alone deserved a trophy. Um, here's the rivalry I was talking about earlier. We'll start to roll through them now because we're. We're going a little long. Obviously, this one's going to be a little longer. Anyways, our special. Number four, Georgia at Georgia Tech. This is the name I was talking about earlier. Clean, old-fashioned hate. It's perfect. That's all you need. It's perfect. That's the name. How, how much better is that than the Palmetto Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> and that is one state down. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is perfect. That's exactly what it, it's like. Clean. It's like we're calm with it. It's just hate. Like There's nothing else to it. I love it. Yeah, so Georgia leads all time 67-41-5. Uh, they're both original. I think I know Georgia Tech was. I'm pretty sure Georgia was also a founding member of the SEC. Uh, so it, it's Georgia Tech now is pretty much sucks. There was a game at one time, um, and, and even in the early 2000s, it was it was a good it was a good game. Now it's just I don't I don't think it's going to be any different this year. Georgia Tech may or Georgia excuse me may be able to cover the spread. I don't know what it is. I haven't looked at it. Um, but I would still take, if it's more than, like, 22 and a half points, I would take Georgia Tech to cover. Uh, Georgia's still got to win pretty big. School's separated by 70 miles, right? And you got on here, they first met in 1893, so it's been going on for a while. Georgia won last year 45-21. But look at the players who played in this game. Uh... You know, when you go back over recent history, A.J. Green, Calvin Johnson, you go back a little further, Herschel, obviously, but Aaron Murray, Matthew Stafford, T.J. Shockley, Noshaw Moreno, Todd Gurley, Champ Bailey, all of those guys, and your guy, Lower Richland guy. Yeah, Richard Seymour, he went to Georgia. Right down the road, Lord, it's about 20 minutes from USC, uh, and they obviously had a great career in the NFL. All of those guys, those are very, I mean, A.J. Green obviously not playing this year. He's sitting out because the Bengals suck and they don't want him to get hurt. Um, Calvin Johnson, you know, retired a few years ago, but was incredible uh, player in the NFL. Aaron Murray, who is doing, I that think. campus a, lore thing, have you seen that on Instagram? I haven't seen that. I think he's on an XFL broadcast now. 
I might I could be. be wrong on that. He's in something I just saw. He's doing something interesting, Aaron Murray. Stafford, obviously, you know, Stafford. Uh, no Sean Moreno's. Is he still in the league? I don't know. He played for the Browns. Remember watching him for those Broncos forever, that yeah. bright orange? Yeah, a lot of good, like, recent guys that you just kind of, like, don't think about played in this game. Um, and most of them Georgia guys, but you got a few Georgia Tech guys in there, too, with Calvin Johnson and and um, and, and some of these – like some of the older, other, older other guys in this rivalry. Demarius Thomas also he plays. Demarius Thomas. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got Georgia in that one. Yeah, I assume Georgia. you got Georgia too. Yeah. All right. Louisville, Kentucky, noon on the SEC Network. Uh, by the way, Georgia, Georgia Tech, noon on ABC. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It's obviously a bigger basketball matchup. Right? Yeah, that's what I thought of. As a matter of fact, when I typed in the rivalry, uh, they were like basketball game is such and such. They might hold up. Yeah. Uh, talk about football here. I think there's two states in the country where that's true like those those rivalries true are true that exist on the football field but are more so of a basketball it's kentucky and indiana because those two states love basketball mm-hmm. indiana obviously probably the biggest basketball state in the country yeah um as far as like small town basketball like maybe oh would you call them the texas of well, high school basketball as yeah. compared to like texas high school football yeah i would say it's that. kind of the same way I would, what, I would say so that's what Jalen rose was saying he's like when he went I, i'm pretty sure he played with the pacers for a little while he's like they eat and yeah. sleep uh, ba- they eat and sleep basketball in indiana they, they do like their high school basketball gyms are pretty big yeah um but anyway louisville kentucky we'll get back to louisville kentucky. we'll get to indiana in just a second uh they play for the governor's cup which is why I like how Washington State and Washington's got the Apple Cup. Yeah. Anyone can be in the Governor's Cup. Yeah, good point. Not everyone can be in the Apple Cup. Uh, I, you know what? I kind of wish uh, California would name some rivalry like the Peach Cup just to spite Georgia because Georgia calls themselves the Peach State. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Georgia calls themselves the Peach State, yet California produces, like I think, almost double the number of peaches that are produced in Georgia each year. Uh, really? Yeah, that's just a weird fact. I don't, I don't know why I know that, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I like to see the state of Georgia get spited for some things. So um, that would be funny. Anyway, Governor's Cup in Kentucky. Kentucky is up 16, 15, and 31 meetings between these two teams. Um, talk, like, uh, talk about this Howard Schnellingberger award. Schnellingberger, uh, yeah. Yeah, Howard Schellenberger, so however you say his name. Also, I think a lot of people know him because he coached at the University of Miami for a little while there. I think okay. he was their inaugural coach. Well, not the first one, but whenever they really started the U-Wave because yeah, yeah, they were yeah. about to cancel the program. If you've never seen 30 for 30, the U, the, the first U. one. And, and the U part, too. The they're U both two excellent. Two. But, yeah, the 2010 game was the inaugural. Was inaugural year for the award. The award is given to the most valuable player on the winning team by the Louisville Sports Commission. Sounds like something you do in high school. It is named <laughs> for Howard Howard S. Who played under Bear yes. Bryant? <laughs> who, who played under Bear Bryant for Kentucky and was Louisville's head coach. Played under Bear Bryant. Yeah. For yeah. Okay. Yeah, and was Louisville's head coach when the modern football rivalry began in 1994. Thought it was interesting. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has won the award twice, and so has Lamar Jackson. So both of those won that award twice. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty cool stat. Yep. Uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, some somehow interjected Bear Bryant into this. <laughs> People forget that Bear Bryant coached in other places than Alabama. Yeah, nobody remembers him. So else. Bear Bryant was at Maryland, I believe, first, and then Kentucky. Well, Kentucky, if you look back through the years, have had some good football coaches. I mean, Mike Leach was there. As an offensive coordinator, now they've got Mark Stoops, who's pretty good. Bear Bryant, um, 
That's crazy. You're a Rangers right Nobody remembers Bear for anything else yeah. about them. Bear also, uh, something I've been meaning to tell you because I know you would like this. Um, Bear coached at A&M back in the day. Texas A&M, that is. We've said a lot of A&Ms today. Um, there is a movie called Junction Boys, and it was made in the early 2000s. And I don't even know where you would be able to find it now, but I remember getting it on Netflix with my dad, and one of those when you remember Netflix was like a mail service. Do yeah, they still do that. God, that was a long time. I don't even think so. Yeah, my dad got that movie for me and him to watch together. Fantastic movie, and it's I don't know that oh, all of a ten day summer camp. Oh yeah, I'm watching this tonight. Yeah, I don't know if it, all of it's historically accurate, but in some of it, uh, it's basically they do this camp and they just killed it, Texas A&M players, with how Paul Bear Bryant ran his program, um, out in the middle of nowhere, and I remember he, in the movie, his character tells him, if you want to leave, you can just run home, and they would, it was kind of funny, they would show him sitting in his cabin at night, and you'd see one or two players just running past his window, and he said, well, they don't want to play football, uh, but it, in the movie, it showed he was recruiting a guy at Texas A&M, and the kid wasn't sure he wanted to go to A&M. So they flew a plane over his family's farm and dropped hay bales out. And when those hay bales came down, they hit the ground, piles of cash came out. <laughs> I mean, just piles of cash. And the reason, you know, I'm glad that's in the movie, but the reason for most of NCAA sanctions about cash and stuff is because of Paul Bear Bryant. Really? And the things he did at Alabama to get players to go, he would pay kids an insane amount of money. To go to because back then there's like it was wild wild west you know no rules like whatever um, and it was kind of hush hush under the table mm. but at the same time like people knew Paul Bear Bryant was playing his paying his players and it just didn't matter uh, because he was just winning like crazy anyway and he was like yeah screw it I'm gonna keep paying players and I'm gonna keep winning so Junction Boys go watch Junction Boys if you have never seen it. It's a great movie. We'll be watching two things there. One, uh, Paul Bear Bryant. Somebody brought a very good point. They're like, Alabama's national championships meant, they obviously meant something when they were winning back then, but somebody brought up the point, the limit of scholarships weren't what they are nowadays. Yeah. So back then, they could just load up with top talent. Oh, yeah. Also, 10-day camp reminds me of freshman football. I don't know if you watched the the Book of Manning, wherever Archie oh, yeah, Manning yeah, yeah. is talking about it. And yeah. is, that, is, is that about the same thing that... Uh, yeah, similar, probably a lot similar to things Archie was doing back in the day. It was gotcha. about the same time, I believe. Those stories from how he used to describe Archie Man, uh, how Archie Man used to describe freshman football are crazy, and I hope that one day meet him and just have an hour conversation about what he saw in freshman football. You know, other schools too, just to see like how different yeah. it was. Because back then, I don't think freshmen could play. Uh, no, they could not play. Freshmen could not play uh, regular football, for lack of a better term, until. The Marshall Plane crash in 1970 that basically wiped out their entire football program, their varsity football program. Um, and if you've seen the movie We Are Marshall, which is just a made-up story, uh, well, a lot of it is a made-up story, but that part is historically accurate. That plane crash went down, killed both of their player or most of their players after they played East Carolina in the 70s, and 75 different players died. Uh, Marshall actually wore helmets commemorating the event a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, yeah, that that is what sparked the NCAA allowing freshmen to play. Uh, the NCAA allowed Marshall to play freshmen because they weren't going to have a team because they didn't, everyone had died. 
uh, if the NCAA didn't allow him to do that. And then a few years later, the NCAA allowed everyone to play freshman, which eventually killed freshman football for college football. Went on a recruiting visit to uh, Marshall about two years, two three years ago, and it's they like that's like the highlight, not the highlight. Cause they have a nice indoor facility, obviously not focal point. Yeah, and it, like that's their focal point. My mom is kind of like, can we stop talking? Like, not obviously not because it's like you're like honoring the people, but it's like you're about to send your sons there. For moms, I'm sure you bring up a great point. Yeah, like I'm sure moms don't want to think about a football team dying as they're about to drop their kid off and on yeah. school. And so it's like, oh, yeah, this happened there. All right, when you're ready to sign, it's kind of like, we're going to call y'all back. And, yeah, you know, shout out to Randy Moss. Yeah. Um, his right. numbers, speaking of which, I'm sorry, his numbers, if you look at, like, as far as speed, I don't, I don't know how much weight Randy did, but as far as speed, natural speed, when he was there, like, if you look on the boards and stuff, are, like, insane. I don't think that would be broken. <laughs> All right. Vandy at Tennessee. Quick on Vandy, Tennessee. 113 meetings total. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, leads 75-33-5. Both founding members of the SEC. Yep. From 1892 to 1927, Vanderbilt went 19-2-3, very similar to the Mississippi-Mississippi State rivalry against Tennessee. Vandy. So that was Vandy up 19-2-3. Tennessee hired Robert Nealon in 1926, who now their stadium is named after, um, and reversed and reversed the rivalry completely on the field. Uh the AD, I guess, or Tennessee's chancellor or whatever, some dude at Tennessee who hired Robert Nealon, hired him with the explicit goal to even the score with Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, just kind of a cool story there. Another cool story about Robert Nealon, the reason why the end zones are checkered at Tennessee, there's a clock tower on one end. And if you look, right under the clock tower, around the, the trimming, uh, there, it's checkered. Right, that clock tower is all stone, I think, uh, but the the trimming is checkered up near the clock, and it was on the end of one end zone, and Robert Nealon used to tell his players, you know, run all the way to the checker, as in run through the back of the end zone yeah. and just keep going when you had football, make sure you scored, aim for the checker. That is why Tennessee's end zones are checkered now. That makes sense. That's a very interesting story. You learned that from uh, Ryan McGee who was talking about it on the uh, SEC Network a few weeks ago. Um, really cool story there. And and go look up that story if you want to hear more about Robert Nealon and the history of the checkered. I think that pretty much sums it up. But, yeah, pretty cool little story there. I love those little things in a pro- football program. I did not know that about Tennessee. had no clue. That's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Yeah, you it is actually uh, taking back kind of high school. The coach you say like block through the whistle, like whenever you're blocking the big birth or whatever. And so yep. that makes me think of. But that makes sense. Dabble got on his players, but it's like stop throwing the ball out, like throwing it to the ref, run to the back of the end zone, hand it to him. But nah, that's a cool story. Yep. Uh, did you give your picks by the way for the Louisville Kentucky game? Uh, no, but I'm taking Kentucky. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm taking too. I'm taking Kentucky too. Yeah, and in All this right. game, who you got? It's funny because this game, I feel like usually, at least the past couple of years, have been the battle of the worst team in the SEC East, and Tennessee's right behind Florida and Georgia this year, so they're laughing at the rest of the SEC. You taking Tennessee? Yeah, it's kind of uh, funny you brought up. Um, so ten. Oh, this is the other thing I wanted to put up. Vandy's longest win streak is nine from 1901 to 1913. Tennessee's is 22 to beat a team 22 straight times. Incredible. <laughs> 83 to 04, uh, most of the former years. There. A kid could have been playing and his dad playing in the series before Vandy went Yeah, that before game. Vandy beat. That's that's pretty funny, yeah. Uh, but since 2012, Vanderbilt has won five of the last seven. Saturday, 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. I'm taking Tennessee. You know I've been riding Tennessee. 
I've tried to ride Tennessee so hard this season, and I dogged on them at the earliest part of the season. But I was, I was, you know, just like, I, they, I kind of, I want to believe in them because they, they're shaking it up, and they finally started doing it. So they got to win one more, get seven in the regular season, go seven and five, which would be incredible considering how they started. Um, 0 and 2 against Georgia State, then BYU. God, this should have been a 9 1 football yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I was um, on them a lot whenever they had the previous head coach. What was his name? Uh, Jalen Hurd and uh, uh, the whole um, staff. Um, Bush Jones. Bush Jones. I was on them. They just couldn't see any. Uh, what's the other quarterback? Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Dobbs. Yeah, they yeah, had good teams. I was on to them back then. Uh, yeah, so I'm taking Tennessee in this one as well. There's one other thing I was about to say about this game, but I can't think about it. Oh, this. Derek Mason, by the way, I think you said this Monday. Uh, Vanderbilt has said he will he will be there next year for sure. I think they said he will be there the next two years. Uh, Derek Mason, that is. Okay, so they won two games this year at Vanderbilt. Um, they must be doing building libraries or something over there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they don't care about football. And also, something to think about. Did you see the pictures of their senior night? It was so sad. It was on Twitter. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Also, Inky Johnson came from Tennessee. And you know, Inky Johnson does all the motivational speaking now. Yep. So, big name there. He was going to be a first-round pick if, it, if the unfortunate events would not have happened. All right, we'll roll through the next few. We're going to roll through, like, five Sheesh. very, very quickly. All right, Florida at number eight, Florida State. Sunshine showdown this weekend. Uh, Florida leads 35-26-2 all time. Um, in the past nine years, Florida State has only lost two times, which is interesting that we forget. You had the must-champ years at Florida, and you had Florida State on top of the world there at the beginning of those nine years. Urban Meyer at Florida only lost to FSU once. Here's kind of what I want to bring up about this. My favorite thing about this rivalry is Steve Spurrier. We all know he's my favorite football coach of all time. Steve Spurrier versus Bobby Bowden matchup. I mean, Steve Spur- Bobby would just get on the mic and complain and, and just kind of moan about Steve and what Steve does. Just be a regular <laughs> old guy, and Steve just kept jabbing him with different little things. Um, and, and Bobby, I think, all right, so in 1996, uh, Florida State and Florida played each other as number one and, one, number one and number two uh, in the regular season. Florida State won. Fast forward a couple months, Sugar Bowl, uh, they play each other again as number one and number two. This time they're playing for the national championship. Uh, Bobby Bowden had said some interesting things about Steve Spurrier. And, and Steve had kind of gone back and said, well, and said some things about him. And then Bobby, in that press conference before the national championship, went into the, basically being the national championship, it was before the national championship games, uh, Bobby Bowden says, well, I don't know why Steve wants to make it so personal. Steve gets up on the mic, you know, a few hours later and says, well, it's football. It's personal. And uh, <laughs> just kind of funny things like that. Steve Spurrier, the funniest thing he ever said about Florida State. Florida State got caught in a scandal while Steve Spurrier was at Florida, and Bobby Bowden was obviously at Florida State, where they were giving, like, somehow they were, Nike was giving their players free shoes or something. Um, and, and breaking a bunch of NCAA rules and just giving them shoes and stuff like that. Steve Spurrier <laughs> in a press conference called Florida State Free Shoes University. <laughs> <laughs> that is the genius. I love Steve Spurrier. I'm taking Florida for yeah. my guy, Steve. 730 SEC Network. Uh, Saturday night, you got Florida ISM. Yeah. Alright, Arizona, Arizona State quickly. Here's Herm's chance to get to eight or Get two seven wins on the season and a possibility for eight in a bowl game. 
Uh, Arizona leads all time, 49-42-1. They've been playing this game since before Arizona was a state. That's crazy. They used to call it the Arizona Territory Cup or something like that. Wow. Yeah, they've been playing for a long, long time. Now, granted, Arizona is like the 48th state, 47th state in the Union, added right before Hawaii um, and Alaska. But, yeah, it really, you know, cool, just weird, different thing. Uh, who you got? Take Arizona State. I'm taking my guy Herm with you. Saturday at 10 p.m. on ESPN, Indiana Purdue. One of the most interesting trophies, I think. This is why I love the Big Ten trophies. Um, there's a Wikipedia page, by the way, called Big Ten Trophies, or it has a list of them. Go, like, if you're listening, just when you get time and you're bored or whatever tomorrow or maybe halfway through dinner Thursday when your aunt's moaning on about something, pull up the uh, Big Ten trophies and just look at them because they're cool to look at. The old wooden or old oaken bucket. It's just a bucket that they give out to whoever wins this game. <laughs> this one's kind of like the Kentucky Louisville said it's mostly rivalry. Uh, but Purdue does lead all time on the football field 74 41. Interesting that they just, I mean, it makes it the football part is this old oaken bucket. And the reason they have an old oaken bucket, um, it resembles a bucket of wood that was used to get water from a well. And obviously Indiana is mostly farmland and places had a lot of farms. So they were just like, all right, well, this a farm is representing Indiana. What represents a farm? Well, how about this wood bucket we pull the water up with from the well? So pretty good little story there, I thought. Um, I'm taking Indiana because they've been killing it this year, even though they got smoked by Michigan last week. Who you got? I was just going to say Indiana just because I haven't named many upsets. You know, Robert Weekend there's always at least one or two upsets. But I'm going to say Purdue. You like Purdue? Purdue? I mean, Purdue will be the upset. This I think Indiana is favored. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take Purdue then. Yeah, it's it's home game, rivalry game. Little maybe Drew Brees, Drew Brees won't be there because uh, actually he might be because they played Saturday at noon and he plays Thursday night. ESPN two for Indiana Purdue. Northwestern at Illinois this week. Illinois leads all time fifty five, fifty two and five. Lovey Smith, who's has got. One crazy beard going. Have you seen Lovey lately? Oh, that the big gray beard. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. had it going for a little. I like the look. He looks. I mean, he looks like a guy who should be the Illinois football coach. In the cold, and also he is. He always, he always looks cold too. Even <laughs> when he's hot, he looks cold. Uh, he was the uh, coach of the Chicago Bears. There you yeah. go. When they had Devin Hester. Uh, Pastor Gerald, who's coaching for Northwestern. I love Northwesterns. They have that little purple stripe. It's weird. It's horizontal. It goes across the front of their jersey. But I, I like it for some reason. They have it on most of their uniforms. Pat Fitzgerald is a guy who's always just talking about millennials and Twitter and stuff like that. It's just <laughs> kind of funny in press conferences. Um, but they've got this thing called the Sweet Sue Tomahawk, or they used to. The Sweet Sue Tomahawk was presented to the winner of the annual football game between two schools. The original trophy was a carved cigar, uh, a carved wooden cigar store. Uh, Indian, like one of those Indian statues, like a, an old Native American statue. Um, but it was stolen and replaced by a replica of, of the tom- of a tomahawk. Northwestern won the tomahawk first in 1945, beating Illinois 13-7. Um, at the end of the 2008 football season, when the teams last played for the trophy, Illinois led the series 52-45-5 and 33-29-2 during the era of the tomahawk. Um, the 2008 game in Edison was the official was the final time that the two teams officially played for the Tomahawk. Uh, the NCAA mandated that all Native American imagery deemed hostile and abusive be removed. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, be removed from college athletics, including the Sweet Tooth Tomahawk. Well, it sucks that they lost their Tomahawk. Um, 
But, I mean, I, I, I get it. Uh, so, now they play for this thing called the Land of Lincoln Trophy, which I didn't even look at because it sounds dumb. Um, the Land of Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln was born in Illinois. Obviously, I get the connection there. The Land of Lincoln, come up with something better. That sounds like it sucks. Uh, Saturday at noon on Fox Sports 1. I am, take Illinois. I'm going to take. You're taking Illinois? Yeah. I'm taking Northwestern. Um, Northwestern had a really bad season. This yeah, year. They're, they're, they're having a tough, tough year. But, I don't know, I just believe in Northwestern and they're just... I think they can get it done. And Illinois will got like five wins, right? This gets yeah. them to bowl eligible. Okay, so big game for Illinois. Um, last one of the day that's happening this weekend, number 15, Notre Dame, at Sanford. So not really the most, you know, an historic rivalry in the sense that they played big games and their teams have been really good. Notre Dame won last year 38-17, and they lead the series 19-13. But the first meeting was back in 1925, played 33 times, uh, and they started playing yearly in 1988. Um, they have this Legends Trophy. It looks pretty cool. It's kind of classy. It's very classy. It's very standard. Stanford, it's very Notre Dame. Uh, Andrew Luck never lost to Notre Dame, um, which I thought was interesting when you put that in there. Yeah. But I think if Andrew Luck were playing for Stanford this weekend, it would be the only way Stanford would beat Notre Dame this weekend. So I've been riding the Notre Dame train lately on my bets. Um, maybe play around. I don't know. Like I said, I, don't, I haven't looked at any lines so far this week. Maybe play around with Notre Dame plus some points there. Uh, but yeah, I think they beat Stanford no problem. And I think maybe after this year, people start talking about. Um, oh gosh, my mind's blanking. Give me his name. Stanford's head coach. Oh man, I can he's, see he's a black David, guy. Right? David. David. Shaw. Uh, Shaw. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I can see his name being tossed around, or his seat getting a little warm there. Yeah, they, um, they like to win out there now. Like, they got unused to losing, or they got unused to... Yeah, like I, I think you said that, right? Yeah, they got used to winning, and they don't want to go back to how it was before Harbaugh was there. So yeah, might so be they're a good historic program, some bad years, and then Harbaugh brought them back. Because he showed that you can win there. Oh, yeah, that, That's can. the big thing. David like, Shaw has, too. Like, he's had really good teams there. Yes, I don't know what the mojo is going on there. Uh, also, NFL quarterback played there, Hall of Fame guy. What's his name? Elway? It's Sanford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant would play at Stanford too. Um, all right. Here's the last thing I want to talk about today, and we'll spend a quick few minutes on it, right? Because we're already we're we're already long. Uh, By the way, I think I'm going with. Um, uh, God, I, I really want to see Stanford win this game, but I don't know if they can pull they it off. They can't do it. They can't do it, Matthew. You know it. I want to see Stanford. the last game. I, the last thing I want to talk about. It, it would be unfair to talk about rivalry week and not mention. Um how just big of uh, just a bunch of babies that the people at the University of Texas are. Um, we used to get a game every Thanksgiving that was wonderful for college football. It was amazing. Uh, Texas, Texas Santa, happened every year, Thanksgiving Day. Um, and now it's gone. Yeah. Because Texas Santa moved to the SEC, and they tried to stay and keep playing Texas, and for some reason, Texas didn't want to play them anymore. Now, you can say that's because they changed conferences, or and they they kind of screwed Texas over because they didn't make the Big 12 good anymore, so Texas doesn't want to give them any money by playing them. You can say those things, and I guess that's Texas' excuse. Those sound like poor excuses to me. What it sounds like to me is they saw an opportunity to get out of playing Texas A&M, <laughs> Texas A&M was, had Johnny Menzel, 
it was about to be a legitimate contender in a legitimate conference and not playing around with, you know, boys among men as far as Big 12 to the SEC goes. In Texas, couldn't find a coach to save their life. Uh, the Mac Brown era just ended, and they're trying all kinds of weird things. And Charlie Strong, who I love, I love Charlie Strong, and I really wanted him to work at Texas, but he just didn't. And Texas sucks, and they've sucked for like 10 or 12 years. And the suckiest thing about them is that they don't play this game anymore. Yeah. And, and maybe we start calling this, maybe I've just spun myself into believing, this is the curse of Texas A&M on Texas. You will be good again when you start playing Texas A&M again. You think it's in the works? Texas A&M has tried to multiple times to play Texas, and there's been a lot of articles about it, and you can go look up, fact check, read it, whatever. Texas A&M has tried to play Texas, and they just haven't done it for some reason. Um, and I saw the Texas AD or something made a comment about it earlier this year. Why is this game not played? Yeah. Right? Take one of your crappy out-of-conference games, be a man about it, you know, I'm sure Texas A&M would rather play Texas than Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who they played this year. I'm sure they'd much rather play Texas, who they would manhandle right now, than, than going to uh, Clemson and playing them, the number three defending national champion who hasn't lost a game at, at the time they played them in over a year and a half. Yep. But you've got to figure this thing out. And the, the maybe the Big 12 and the SEC need to just jump in and intervene and just get everyone in a room, every every cowboy-hatted, boot-wearing clown out there, get them in a room, drag them in that place. room by the ear, yeah. ink up some paper, and start playing this football game again. Because I don't care if you played it in the parking lot. I would watch this game because this is one of the best rivalries in college football, and it is a damn shame that we can't watch it anymore. Um, and I want to say that this was the second... Uh, you know how I was saying earlier in the show that South Carolina Clemson is the second longest uninterrupted rivalry in college football? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Texas A&M in Texas was number two until they quit playing in 2010, 2012, whatever it was. you got to figure this thing out again, dude. Yeah, I, re- I would really like to see it. I remember like one uh, if it might have been the last year they played it, I remember it was in the last year it was A&M still in the Big 12. Yes. That's yeah, I remember it and they were like, this might be the last time and it was in Thanksgiving night, right? Yep. Yeah, they used to always play on Thanksgiving and, and then that's just gone. And then that's, yeah, that's it. I think uh, there's there's probably a better shot. I don't know how long this little, if is, is it a home and home series between LSU and Texas? Uh, yeah, they, I think that's one more year. I think that there maybe once that's out, then they'll probably, if they decide to, they'll go ahead and uh, substitute that game in for there. But we'll, we'll see, dude. I just, I mean, because I don't think they want to play right now with their program not even being on the up and up yet. I don't think they want to play two SEC teams in a year. So, but maybe whenever. No, I don't think they even want to play the nine Big Twelve games they have to play because yeah. they can't figure out how to win those. Can you beat Oklahoma? And if you can't, it really sucks. <laughs> if you beat Oklahoma once, you got to beat them twice. And so until they can match up to that Oklahoma level, they don't have trouble for. Yeah, and we thought they were there ten months ago, which sucks, you know. But, <laughs> Sam Elliger saying Texas is back. Texas at that time they were back. I thought they were back. Uh, they're not back. They're frauds. You know. You know I was this looking. Is, it's been a terrible season for them, and it just makes it. I, I like Texas. This is I've been bashing Texas for five straight minutes here. I love Texas football. Yeah. But I'm gonna bash them until they continue. And they just grow up and schedule this game because 
You're robbing me of good football. <laughs> and I don't like that. I was thinking back to that big, I guess kind of quickly here. I was thinking back to that big game, you know, Southern Cal, Texas for the Rose Bowl. Oh, five, yeah. And I know everybody was on the whole Southern Cal bandwagon, but it didn't even, like, enter my head that there was a tech. Okay, so there were people, like, on Texas, you know, those Texas uh, players. That's young, baby. And they were ready to go. And it's like, all I was worried about was Reggie Bush because I remember that I never forget him flipping into the end zone. Yeah, I didn't pay him no attention. And then it's like they show up to the Rose Bowl, and I'm like, who are these people? And then you don't actually win the game. Yeah, uh, yep, some some great teams there. Um, also, there is a great, 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 great picture of South Carolina coach Will Muschamp when the last time Texas was relevant on an article I wrote today for Carolina News and Reporter. Um, go to my Twitter, and I, I put the link there, uh, or you can just go to carolinanewsandreporter.csc.sc.edu. I believe is the the address. There's a great picture of Will Muschamp at Texas, and on the practice field with Mac Brown there, him just wearing these Oakley shades. It, it looks incredible. Right. Go look that up. I saved it as my uh, my desktop on, on my computer in the newsroom, um, just so I can look at it every day because it makes me laugh. But all right, that's gonna be it for us. The rivalry week special. Um, Follow along to all the games this weekend. They're more spread out, so that's. I love when games are spread out across the weekend because I can watch more of them. And yeah. Sometimes when you pack them all in one day, I can't see them all. Uh, before I forget, we'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Um, go rate, subscribe, review on iTunes. Go follow on Spotify. Go follow the show at the lead underscore block on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow Matthew on Twitter and Instagram. At Matt the Chosen One with the number one. Go follow myself on Twitter at Tyler Walter CNR. Uh, this has been really fun to do. Um, we'll have some interesting things coming up with Championship Week and the Heisman and different things like that. Uh, maybe Cyclic Guestin. But make sure you're sharing and, and, and listening and subscribing and doing everything. Uh, hopefully, you like the show. Let us know what you think of it. Um, Settle in for a great, great, great weekend of college football. And go watch some of these things we talked about. Go watch Junction Boys and and uh, go watch Roll Tide War Eagle. If you love college football or if you want to love college football, I'm telling you, these, these things will make you just so interested in the sport. They're so interesting. Uh, college football is just unlike any other thing in the world with the stories it has. And it's been really fun to do this. And hopefully we'll be doing it again next year. Um, But for now, thanks for listening. Matthew, you got anything else you want to say? Nah, that's all, man. Tune in everywhere across the country this weekend. Uh, We'll be back with probably some some interesting things are going to happen here in Columbia this weekend. Uh, We will be back with that on Monday. I'm sure we'll talk about it at the absolute top of the show. Happy Thanksgiving. We will see you Monday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.